0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
1: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
0: Learn more at meta.com/slash metaverse impact. The volume.
1: It's the Colin Coward Podcast presented by FanDuel. The sports calendar is packed. No better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. So many sports right now, NBA, College Hoops, March Madness, PGA Tour, app is safe, secure, easy to use. They've got exclusive offers, boosts, all that stuff this month on FanDuel. And when you win, you get paid fast. So jump into the action. They have live betting. You can combine multiple bets, same game and a same game parlay. Try out same game parlay plus start making every moment more and download the FanDuel app today. 21-plus in select states, FanDuel's offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FANDUEL.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpgorg slash chat, Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT, Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, visit ksgamblinghelp.com, Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit www.ma-helpline.org slash gambling visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org, Maryland, 1 877 8 Hope, New York, or text Hope, New York, 467 369, New York, 1 800 Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Hi, everybody. Welcome in to a Wednesday morning podcast. Every year I interview Sam Smith, who in 1991 wrote the New York Times bestseller, The Jordan Rules, which sort of defined um, the first real public criticism of Michael Jordan and the pushback he received. Uh, But Sam has uh, a lot of depth and knowledge on MJ and a lot of positive things to say. So I think you'll really like the interview. There's a lot of things he brought up That I had not thought about. And I want to talk for about five minutes about the movie, the air movie on Jordan and Sonny Vaccaro. So I saw it the other night, Monday night premiere in L.A. at the Design Center in West Hollywood. And um, so years and years ago, my first recollection of Sonny Vaccaro, I covered UNLV out of college 30 years ago, over 30 years ago. And Vicaro hung around the program because, you know, at that time, UNLV was on a short list of the most captivating programs in the country. And you'd see Sonny Vicaro around the program. And to be honest with you, you know, Tark always had that kind of just, you know, little shadiness. You know, Tark was given by UNLV about 40 tickets per home game. And Tark could give those out to whoever he wanted. It was very unique. Even the top coaches in college basketball at that time, Dean Smith, Nolan Richardson at Arkansas, maybe got four or five tickets per home game. Tark had like 40, 45. So there were always people hanging around practice that, you know, were a little little shady, um, you know. And I'd see Sonny Vaccaro around, and I didn't know what to make of him. Uh, He was always a very nice guy. But anybody that hung around Tark, you know, I was a journalist. There were some controversial players I was always a little suspicious of. But you could tell very early on he had such an affection for players. The players loved him. He loved the players. Uh, and then I started asking around about Sonny Vaccaro. And you found that he was a, a really brilliant basketball mind with his heart in the right place. He thought, he thought players deserved something for all their time and effort. And and Sonny Vaccaro is a really important figure in the NCAA's history on uh, reforming college sports. But Vaccaro plays a key role in this movie because as Nike was mostly a jogging company because that's what Phil Knight did. And Phil Knight, um, you know, in the movie is uh, you know not wearing socks, you know, often uh, wandering intellectually. Uh, he had spent a lot of time in Asia, uh, and Phil was always a, a unique, had kind of an eastern, not western perspective, an eastern perspective on a psychology and philosophy and business. Makes him a fascinating guy, Phil Knight. And, you know, Vicaro was just a tough-minded, gruff Little chubby, was never going to jog. They were very different people. But in the movie, I think it gives you a sense of how Phil respected Sonny Vaccaro and how Sonny Vaccaro appreciated uh, the courage of uh, Phil Knight. I think it's, I really thought it was an excellent movie. I'm no film critic, but uh, the audience erupted in applause multiple times. And I, my takeaway on it, I love the relationship between Sonny Vaccaro, who's finally sort of getting the affirmation and the validation he deserves. Phil's gotten plenty of it. And also for Michael Jordan's mother. And a real big takeaway I had in this movie is that Michael's mother, um, still living, is a no-nonsense woman growing up in the South, very protective of her son and very demanding of others respecting her son. And uh, she comes off as incredibly likable in the movie and powerful. And I really think you win as an audience watching this movie. You have great respect for Michael's parents, uh, for Sonny Vaccaro. And those people have not been given the credit in the Michael Jordan story, at least outwardly, um, that they probably deserve. So I I highly recommend watching it. Uh, for me, it was so personal because I grew up in the Pacific Northwest and spent six, seven years in Portland. I loved all the drone shots, of the Nike campus and the Steve Prefontaine images and, you know, the bridges. Uh, you see cars, you know, driving over. It was really, I, it, for me, it really worked as a movie. But I think it gives credit to people who probably haven't been given those accolades previously in Michael Jordan's uh, legendary career. You know, I also thought there was a very clever touch by Ben Affleck is that you never really see Michael Jordan in the movie. You hear his voice, you see him from the back, and that's, that's interesting uh, metaphorically because Michael is a really, really private guy, and without Michael having a big role in the movie, it allows you to concentrate more on key figures like his mother and Sonny Vaccaro and Phil Knight. So it gets, a uh, you know, multiple thumbs up from me. Very touching, very genuine, and credit to people who have deserved more through the years um, in Michael's amazing basketball journey. With the NFL season over, all eyes in the sporting world turned to everything from the NBA to college hoops to the NHL. Plenty of games to watch, or even better, plenty of games to get out of the house and actually go to. That's why the best way to get your hands on tickets when you want to go to one of these games, check out GameTime, fastest growing ticket app in the U.S., GameTime. Offer amazing last minute deals on tickets to your best favorite NBA, hockey, NCAA teams. Top of that, they sell last minute concert and comedy show tickets too. Download the Game Time app. Download it. Redeem code is Colin. 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, download the app. Enter the code Colin C-O-L-I-N, 20 bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at Meta.com slash Metaverse Impact.
1: Well, I did watch the movie, The Air Movie, about the early version of Nike, Sonny Vaccaro, and Michael Jordan, and Michael's mom plays a key figure in this movie. She's really the star of the movie. Um, and I thought as I watched the movie, uh, I've been very critical of Michael through the years saying that um, Nike's Air Jordan commercials, the greatest domestic ad campaign of my life. And it has created almost a Reagan-like shield, a Teflon shield around Michael. When if you simply acknowledge previous failings, uh, you're considered a hater. Well, Sam Smith was the original critic of Michael, the only one. Uh, Back in 1991, The Jordan Rules, a magnificent book uh, on the turbulent season with Michael Jordan and the Bulls, New York Times bestseller. Uh, It was the talk of the literary sports world for several years. He got a Lifetime Achievement Award, Pro Basketball Writers Association, Kurt Gowdy Media Award, Hall of Fame, currently writes for Bulls.com. Uh, And whenever I'm critical of Jordan, as I watch that movie, I always get major pushback. And I've, I've said this before, that, you know, Michael would punch a player and they would say, well, he's just very competitive. Draymond Green punches a guy he should be thrown out of the league. And I think, you know, it's part of that smile and charisma. When you released the book, you obviously knew you were Michael was wildly popular. Did you expect the avalanche of criticism? Did you know it was coming?
2: Uh, Colin, let me say first, um, if Michael punched somebody and his knuckles were bruised, that was on the other guy. And I think that's what <laughs> we have to mention. Um, no, I was, uh, you know, we've t- probably talked about that. And and I'm frankly pleased that you're still on the air being critical of Jordan. Um, you know, there's a uh, thought police about that these days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I was probably pretty naive about it being the um, uh, reporter. Having been an investigative reporter over the years, I figured, well, if I just write what's true, you, you know what's the problem with that? <laughs> and right. so um, it, it was it was an incredible, you know, it was over thirty years ago. And uh-huh. um, you know, one thing I was kind of pleased about and pleased about a lot of things, you know, with the last stands documentary. but, one is that Michael sort of coped to all this finally it took 30 years but yeah. he said yeah yeah I can be a jerk but you know I had a reason for it and so back then it was say yeah you know the guy's tough to live with and people because of as you refer to those commercials he was really i mean marketed as kind of you know the cliche all american guy i remember one of the, the coca-cola sponsors he he, like, leaped up into a treehouse to deliver the Coca-Cola. And he – I mean, and they made a point of this. They were doing, you know, Chevrolet apple pie. It, they were doing those commercials to make it as American as, you know, patriotic it could be. And then so, you know, I sort of write a book about behind the scenes in basketball. he said, well, this is not Michael Jordan. I saw him in the commercials. He's nothing like that.
1: Right. You know, it, it's um – um not that I'll defend him, but it, I was talking about this with somebody the other day. A lot of us uh, resent or regret what we did in our 20s, but we did it for a reason. We were immature. Um, I mean, I grew up divorced kid um, on my own, um, not a lot of money in the family, and I was a pretty relentless workaholic in my 20s. And that's what I thought I needed and was mature enough to handle it that time. And I look at Michael and I say, people say, oh, he was rough on teammates, but the Pistons were tackling him. The Celtics were doing about the same. The East was loaded and physical, and it was all allowed by the league. And I say to myself, relentless was the only way for Michael to get through it. He was being attacked defensively. And could I argue that we do things throughout the course of our life because it gets us to a better place. And the East was bully ball, Knicks, Celtics, Pistons. And Michael was the target for almost all of it. And he was just, he was building up a metal and a toughness in that Chicago Bull team that was necessary.
2: I mean, that's exactly right, because, you know, what gets overlooked because Michael Jordan came into the NBA out of the 84 Olympics, a uh, game winning shot in North Carolina, you know, with, with such fanfare to dunking in the Sports Illustrated covers and all that. The notion was, well, he, he's going to succeed right away. But at the same time, simultaneously, what Jerry Krause is doing with the Bulls is he's rebuilding, basically, you know, has Jordan out front. But he's basically, you know, they had a lot of high draft picks who decent players, Orlando Woolrich and Sidney Green and players who could have developed or did develop in other places. Um, and he traded all of them off essentially for draft picks, draft picks. like you know, it, it, They got Pippen, they got Horace Grant. Uh, and he was sort of, it, it wasn't called that then, you know, because teams didn't really dump for the draft back then because they sent, effectively needed attendance. And yeah, really, Jordan should have been with the Pacers. One of the great overlooked stories is the reason Portland had the pick was the Pacers had lost James Edwards and for attendance needed a center, so they traded the pick to Portland. And that's how yeah. Portland ended up. You know, I mean, use it for Sam Bowie and all. But anyway, so Jordan comes in and the notion is, well, he's this great figure. He's got to compete against Bird, Magic, uh, Isaiah, and they've got built teams. And he's looking around on his roster and goes – Well, you you, you know, I've got, I don't, what have I got here? I got Kyle Macy and I, I got all these, you know, and so, you know, that was sort of the joke about, you know, they said, well, Jordan couldn't make guys better. And he used to say, well, yeah, if I had James Worthy and Kareem, I could make them better. You know, I got Mike Brown (laughs) and Sedale Threat. I can't make them better.
1: (laughs) Um, The MJ documentary, I thought, I remember when they made, um, the movie Wall Street about Gordon Gekko and 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 Michael Douglas and Oliver Stone said, I didn't try to glamorize him and make him popular. But everybody, every stockbroker wanted to be Gordon Gekko. And the faults of Gekko became sort of romanticized. And Sam, when I watched the MJ documentary, now, obviously, MJ had some say in it. But even the warts and, uh, you know, Will Purdue saying things about him. Yeah, I found it. Maybe it's because the league is you know it's it's more of a three-point shooting league. It's more skilled, but more finesse. I found it incredibly likable. I'm like, I miss the layering. I miss the toughness. I missed I miss guys not all being best friends. I was I fell into it, Sam. I, I that documentary, I made me like Michael Moore. What was your takeaway on it?
2: Well, there were a couple of takeaways. what the one takeaway uh, that I like. And it's sort of one of the things that was criticized was his Hall of Fame speech where he pointed, right. to, you know, the guy who beat him, you know, got on the, you know, got on the varsity ahead of him. And he he brought in different guys uh, over the years that, he, he, he you know, he had these um, uh, challenges by. And people said, well, this is this is horrible. You know, at the Hall of Fame, he was sort of <laughs> blaming guys for this. And I said, no, this is this is great because he showed you exactly who he is and who he's always been. And you know that—that's the attraction of it. You know what you said—the Jordan rules. When I wrote it, and one of the reasons why I was surprised is because I saw it as as a sympathetic portrait. You know, if you, you know, and I know, you know, our version of Twitter back then was headlines and things taken out of you know, context or whatever, what people would complain it to us about. You took it out of context. The headline didn't represent the story at all. And so there was a lot of that with the Jordan rules, you know, just like now, people didn't always read back then either. Uh, but no. when I depict, you, you know, my depiction, because I'd like Jordan, I'd been around him a long time. Uh, I really appreciated his competitiveness and his zeal and, uh, and you know, his his willingness to try to pull this group along, you know, kind of with him. Uh, and what he went through, how the Pistons attacked him, you know, but not only that, you, you, you know, I, I remember the one year the MVP vote, uh, you know, magic was very close with Isaiah. We were sitting in a locker room and it came down, uh, and magic had won the MVP and all the reporters And he was very gracious. And I, and <laughs> before the book, you know, we had a good relationship. So I'm sitting with him in the locker room and it happened to be in Detroit. And every, all the reporters, when he turns to me and he goes, anybody but that guy meaning magic meaning they held up magic all the time and saying he's the guy who made everybody better not me yeah and so the you know that sort of thing so i I sort of viewed it sympathetically but you you, you know the notion of the fights and you know the taking horace's grand dinner and you know you don't deserve to eat because you played you know it 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 sort of looked both ways
1: um sam smith joining us writer for the bulls dot com um, it, it is. Um, I, I. One of the things that is attractive about Michael. Um, I couldn't watch a ten-part Brady or LeBron documentary, and that uh, social media has shown me all I ever need to see about any player: what they eat, their family. I get now their opinions on vaccines, their political opinions. Um, you know, Michael. As we peel the layers back on Michael in the Air movie. I didn't know that much about him because we didn't know that much about anybody. And I think what what makes Michael appealing to me, the journey for basketball, Sam, was not as grooved as it is today through AAU. It's just not. It's just grooved. Now, they're all friends. Nobody's battling for a piece of the pie. Otto Porter can make two hundred million dollars. It's a different world. And I do think the struggle, although Michael's struggle is less than others. Hell, the Jerry Krause stuff. It is fascinating. I'm watching the Sonny Vaccaro stuff and, you know, the toughness of his mother. um, There's parts of the privacy of Michael. You were on an inner circle for a long time. But I view him now as a bit of a private figure. How would you describe that? Even as an owner of the Bobcats, he never really talked much. Right. And
2: actually, that was what was great about the documentary The Last Stance, because it really was the first time he sat down and showed you who he was, kind of relaxed, didn't kind of do it through a commercial because, you know, he was always he he, he always felt it wasn't so much he was wanted to promote himself, but he felt an obligation. I mean, he, I mean, he really had a good upbringing. He, I'm, I haven't I didn't see the the sneaker movie yet, but but his mother, I I know, had a huge part. He was very close with his father. They were really best friends more than father-son. You know, and that loss was tremendous. But he always felt as a responsibility and obligation to his sponsors. So I remember him talking about that, to act in a certain way as a result of that. And so, you know, he he finally – now – he, he saw over the years, and and I, I, I credit him for that. I actually, I remember he wasn't selling himself. I remember one time, and he'd become tremendously popular, and, and he was popular all over the world. I mean, the the, the I remember the the North North Korean um, the, the dad who 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 gone now the crazy sons there, but um, they were sending for bulls memorabilia back then from North Korea. Um, you know and 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 when David Stern went to China, uh he always he always talked about you know China didn't know anything about the NBA. They hadn't heard of anybody, but they had asked him about the red oxen, and <laughs> the bull. That's all they knew, you know and so right. but as a result, it, you know he understood that, but at the same time, and we see why he's made fortunes, billionaire, whatever, I, re- I remember a Japanese company had contacted him and said they would pay him a million dollars for an appearance. And he's and he and this was like 1988, 89, something like that. And he said, "I'm not just going to sell myself like that. I'm not going to do that kind right. of stuff." So, so you know, this sort of uh, I'm not surprised that he's 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 that way now. And that's why the the documentary was great because you're not going to see him otherwise. He's not going to be around. He, 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 you know, the NBA has. Brought out everybody, Bill Russell and uh, Oscar Robertson, all-star games and finals, and they named the awards. He's the one who never shows up anywhere. You know, you never see him anywhere. He, he's at all these all-star games, you know, for Nike, but you've never seen him in, in public. And, you know, I, I, I wish he would a little more. But, you know, he, 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 he doesn't want to sell himself and cheapen it, really. And, and it's really been smart.
1: Yeah, I mean a privacy and not knowing everything about you. Um, I remember Jack Nicholson, the great owner, saying he wouldn't go on these shows um, when he was promoting a movie, and he's like, "Why would I give me away for free? I want that theater experience to be r- really special." And I think about that all the time. I, you know, I see everybody putting their meals and their vacations. Uh, on Instagram and I think you know it it's okay to have some private stuff in your life. <laughs> I don't need to market my every time I go walk on the beach in Florida. Um the ownership in Charlotte, Sam, uh, I I've I've said this and it may be unfair that Michael was always first of all he was a very good um decision maker, Uh, David Falk, uh, Phil Knight, uh, Phil Jackson, he tended to have excellent judgment and be pretty picky on the people that he would choose to guide his journey. So he had, and by the way, I'm watching Lamar Jackson now. He has his mom as an agent. Now he got an agent today that's not registered. Some guys don't make great decisions. Michael made it. And, and LeBron's done this. Michael made very solid decisions. Sonny Vaccaro on the people that pitched him and he listened to. Um, I didn't expect the ownership with Charlotte to be great because I always felt Michael was great at elevating Michael. But to be an executive, a coach or an owner, it's a lot of giving. It's a, it is to some degree elevating others. Is it an unfair characteristic to say Michael was better at elevating Michael, his brand, and his net worth than sometimes elevating those around him? He didn't have the patience for it?
2: Uh, I don't know about that. That's a hard one. First of all, you know, ownership, management it, it is an awful lot of luck. You know, the Bulls lucked in the Jordan in 84. Had they not, they, they, prob- they wouldn't have had any titles. They would have had, you know, 25, 50 years. The Phoenix Suns have never won a title despite whatever. And so, you know, you got to get lucky. Charlotte has never gotten lucky. I remember, uh, you know, people like to think, fans, media, whatever, that just because you've succeeded in something, that you'll succeed, uh, you know, because of what you did in your specialty. You know, and, and it's it's sort of like all these coaches who sort of stood next to uh, uh, Bill Parcells, uh, you know, just because you're 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 around somebody uh, who's successful doesn't mean you're going to be successful. And so, you know, it's difficult to sort of pick guys. Michael, you know, you know, had difficulty. You know, who exactly could he trust in those situations? And so uh i I remember when the bulls you know 98 they broke up and you know i was in the last dance and so the fans in the media the notion was well let michael run the team you know he's a winner you know and so we don't hear that much anymore (laughs) anymore since the charlotte situation and I, i don't think it's a case of michael being concerned about celebrating himself i don't think that what he was about it's just you know, you don't go to school for management of a sports team. There's no there's no degree. You know, there's no test like to be a CPA or a lawyer or something like that. So, you know, who, who does these things? How do you do it? Um, you know, it's it's a lot of luck. And and he just hasn't gotten lucky. I mean, that's it, it, sort of a simplified version of it. Um, he's been in the lottery, you know, you, you, you get your bad, you don't get LeBron, you get, you know, you get the, you get the second guy. It makes tremendous differences. And so, you know, now, now I see he's going to cash out, you know, in the league wanted him in, David Stern wanted him in, and basically almost gave him that franchise, you know, to have him right. involved in the game. Basically, I think he just paid off the debts. And so one thing Michael has always done, he used to joke about OPM. You know, the way to operate a business is with other people's money. So he was always he was always bright about that. And he always he always understood equity and he always understood value. And he's tried. But you can see in the last couple of years, he's lost the enthusiasm for it Uh, just because it's so hard. The irony is, um, you know, you know, on the ownership, the governors, whatever they call themselves now, Michael got was put in charge of the labor committee of of the owners, and he was appalled (laughs) at the the salaries that they started paying. You know because you know he made at the time when he made the thirty million, it was you know ten million more. Patrick Ewing I think made eighteen or nineteen, and the next highest was like ten or twelve. You know, so he's making double or triple, whatever anyone is. And, you know, now it's sort of, you know, on the bottom side of uh, next deal. And he was just sort of appalled at the salaries that were becoming the right. irony of that. But uh, I, I, I don't think it was an ego thing as much as it's really a hard thing to do.
0: Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts
1: The tournament's heating up. No better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Okay, right now, download FanDuel. Use the promo code Colin, C-O-L-I-N. Up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, the promo code is always Colin. FanDuel has tons of betting options. I like the same game parlay. Bet a little, win a lot. FanDuel's app is safe, secure, easy to use, and you get paid your winnings really fast. Just go to FanDuel.com, sign up today, claim your no-sweat first bet, then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. FanDuel's app is safe, secure, easy to use, and you get paid your winnings really fast. The no-sweat first bet up to 1000 bucks. promo code COLIN, Make every moment more this season with FanDuel. 21 plus in select states. FanDuel's offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1 800 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342 Arizona. 1 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat Connecticut 1 800 9 with it Indiana 1 800 522 4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com Kansas 1 877 Seven seven O Stop Louisiana, call one eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty or visit www.ma underscore slash problem gambling. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org Maryland, one dot org Maryland, One eight seven seven eight hope New York or text hope New York four six seven three six nine New York, one eight hundred five two two forty seven hundred Wyoming or visit www. one eight hundred gambler West Virginia. When you look back at covering Michael. Um, Did you instantly know, because the first couple of years, I can remember Orlando Woolridge, if I recall, Quentin Daly, it was guys that needed the ball. And and Michael, you know, was not going to suffer those guys gladly. Like he wanted the ball and he was better. And he was, I imagine at practice, was letting them know on a daily basis he was better. But um, when did you know, because he didn't average a ton of points in college. When did you have this sense and, and talk to other people? Or maybe you just it was your personal insight that you thought, boy, this is different. This this may be the most gifted basketball player I've ever seen. I mean, you're in my generation, Sam. I I grew up and there I saw the old Wilt and the young Kareem. I, Michael didn't. Dr. J, but Dr. J didn't have the mid-range dependable game. He was spectacular, but he wasn't as relentless, uh, nightly, every possession like Michael. Was there a moment that kind of crystallized it for you when you really felt going back, sitting on that press table, and you thought, boy, this this may be the greatest basketball player we're ever going to see?
2: Well, you know, I don't know if we went to greatest ever early, but we went pretty spectacular early. You know, you know the old joke, of course, was the only one who could hold him under 20 points a game right. was Dean Smith. Right. So right. this is the first practice. And, and Rod Thorne is the Bulls GM, had been the GM for like seven or eight years, had lottery picks almost every year. And the team has won in 25, 28 games. And so Jordan is the first practice. Kevin Lockery is the coach. And this is the first practice of Jordan's first season. And Bill Blair, as I remember, was the assistant then. And Rod misses, uh, Rod can't go to the first practice. It's something business thing came up. And so Rod misses the first practice. Bill Blair calls him at the end of the first practice. Rod's telling me this story. And Bill Blair says, you finally didn't screw up a draft. He said, we have never seen anything like this guy. He came in with all the, and you mentioned uh, Woolrich was a top 10 pick, Quentin Daly's a top 10 pick, Sidney Green, uh, Ronnie Lester, all top 10 picks. And he just blew out everybody. The first couple of practices, he's blowing by everybody. He's dunking on everybody. You know, there's that famous story when he came in as a freshman at North Carolina. And the first thing he did, he went to the board And he started writing the times, listing the names of Worthy, Perkins, all these All-Americans saying how many times he dunked on them. (laughs) So that's the way he started at North Carolina. And that's the way he came into the Bulls. Okay, So I hear these stories that are coming out of training camp. And we go see him and it's still training camp and walks into the season. I think third game in, he he hits a winner in in Milwaukee, like six games in, uh, 49 points against and then was Portland or something? You know, they were bringing in uh, Portland media is all saying we got a center. This guy's not special. We got Clyde Drexler. And I remember the Chicago guys are saying, "Watch this! Where do you see this?" So we we didn't exactly know. Say, okay, this guy's going to be you know better than Oscar and you know or be- Bird or Magic or Will, whatever. But this was different. This was different than than anything we'd seen because of the combination. You know of the athleticism the drive and the incredible competitiveness and this will to win win everything you know which sort of evolved and and we we saw more from year to year uh you know there's always this debate the greatest and who's the great right. you, you know and it's arbitrary lebron's got the most points now you know in my era going back you know the two greatest things I remember about basketball is Wilt coming to the NBA and Kareem coming to the NBA, at, you know, winning basically everything out of college. And so they said, well, how can Jordan? you know, Bill Russell's got the most championships, Kareem and now LeBron's got the most points. How, how could this guy be the greatest ever? And one thing I always point to with me is that nobody in sports and certainly in, in American sports, and I can't imagine worldwide sports has crossed over and had the influence on society that he has because of yeah. his basketball. The shoes become fashion. Uh, Bill Walton likes to tell the story. You know, he's the MVP. He's in Portland. Phil Knight's there. Phil Knight comes to him and you know, we're going to put your name on sneakers. We're going to do this whole thing about, you know, Air Bill or whatever. He says, who's going to buy sneakers with my name on it? What a stupid idea that is. You know, and so... It, 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 baldness is okay now. I can I can start shaving my head. Men are wearing jewelry, long sh- you know, long shorts. Fashion, all all these things that transcend the game uh, attached to him. That's what makes you the greatest. That's a Babe Ruth kind of thing. That's a Ali kind of thing, where you can't measure them only in the sport, but you can measure their effect on the world and society. And, hi- and his has been to me more than anybody that we've ever experienced.
1: Uh, Bulls.com, Sam Smith. Does Michael visit Chicago a lot? Golf tournaments, Bulls games. His mother does some charity work, some fairly substantial charity work, I heard. But um, does Michael ever visit Chicago now? Never.
2: (laughs) As far as I can tell, he has never been here. I think his house is still for sale. Uh, up in Highland park, he but he built this mansion kind of thing, which is well overvalued. And, and I mean, not in a bad neighborhood, but it's just near the highway. It's not, and it's been for sale like 10, 12 years or something. Nobody, you know, buy it's got 23s all over the gate and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but as far as I know, I've never heard him being here.
1: Wow. You know, it, it's interesting. Um, you know, a passionate relationship with Chicago, Leaves very close relationship with Barkley. It ends. Um, it, it is an interesting personality. It's not a tick. It's just who he is. Um, I don't know. How do you explain that? Those are both unique. You, you know, I, I don't know of another player. Maybe Brady won't go back to New England. <laughs> I don't know. I find it just an interesting personality, behavioral personality uh, element. Well, what do you make of that?
2: Well, again, because of the sort of the Howard Hughes sort of element to him over the years that he wasn't going to make himself public. And, you know, he's, as I mentioned before, he doesn't want to be, you know, a public figure. He always used to talk way early, way early. And actually he would tell us, he said, you know, once I'm gone, you'll never see me again. And, And, you know, there was an element of that. I remember him talking about that in the 80s that I'm going to finish my career and when my career is over you will never see me. and it's sort of been true. but he always the other thing he used to say too I'm never going to be a show pony. and I think that's why he doesn't go at the all-star game or at least come out publicly you don't see him in public much doesn't you know you know i mean can you imagine the amount of money more i i mean you know with rich people enough never seems enough they're always doing something can you imagine the the amount of money michael jordan could make in appearances or things other things he did in public it, millions people would pay just you know he's probably the most famous person in the world maybe the most uh, most beloved um but he's never, you know, he doesn't take advantage of that. And he never has. And he, and he and for whatever the reason was, at a young age in his twenties, he talked about that. That this is something I'll never do. That's something I'll never be a part of. I'm not going to sell myself as as a commodity, as a product. You know, I'm I'm going to show what I can do. Um, and then obviously you know, he was secure with what they was making. But, you know, and I don't know how they p- depicted it in that movie. Um but you know he didn't he didn't go seek out the shoe contracts in the Nike. He was very reluctant, and and I remembered early on, you know, his mother kind of drags him out there. Um, and and that's what after, the
1: movie said, yeah.
2: But also after the first deal, it was, it was like a three or four or five year. I don't know what the first contract was. He didn't want to re up with Nike. I remember. Craig Hodges talked to him about maybe starting a local brand or something. Nike had done something. I'm sure that's not in the movie that he was upset with and he didn't want to go. He was thinking about going with another company. I think he said he said I wore Converse or something in college. Maybe I'll go with them. So, you know, he he was kind of it, it wasn't so much he was saying, I'm Michael Jordan. I can do what I want is that, you know, it's not my life to sell myself as a sneaker salesman. Now, he's obviously... He, 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 you know, turned it in, but he's turned it the other thing too, he's turned it into a quality product. And I think that's right. what he's proud about, that things associated with Michael are about quality and they're not cheap and it's not a show pony just for the money.
1: Sam Smith covering the NBA a long time. Milwaukee is the best team I've seen this year. I think they have shot makers, three elite defenders with Drew Holiday, Lopez and Giannis. Um, I I just don't know situationally if I like Boston as much this year as last. I don't know about Wiggins or KD. The West is wide open. I don't trust Denver. The best team you've seen this year live? Who would it be?
2: Yeah, even though the <laughs> and the Bulls have beat them two out of three. Milwaukee, uh, you know, but I think one of them Giannis got hurt early in one of the games, and uh, Chris Middleton wasn't playing. Uh, but yeah, the, I mean, the West is as even as you know, unpowerful. You can say that as it's ever been. You know, there's no dominant player really in the West. You know, with LeBron' situation his health, and and that's really a change in the NBA that there's no great teams anymore. There's no there's no super yeah. team put together, and so you know, I kind of agree with you with Boston. When I watch Boston, it's all and I and I don't you know nobody cares. You know, I don't like the way the game's played now with this proliferation yeah. of three pointers. And, you know, it's like to sort of get off my lawn stuff. You know, who cares about what you say? You know, but you watch Boston and, and Tatum and Brown, and they'll shoot like 10 or 12 threes and they miss them all. And instead yeah. of saying, well, you know okay i'm not i'm not on maybe i'll go to the basket they'll they'll just shoot 10 more (laughs) so it it just comes down to you know if they're going to make them or not you know i think the notion is they probably think four out of seven games we can make enough threes to win (laughs) yeah and so um you know philadelphia's flooded and and both you were in the Philly got Philly twice this week and Harden is just kind of a shell of himself. And, yeah, uh, you know, he's not, uh, you know, sort of a Scotty Pippen number two to to Embiid. Embiid is really carrying that thing on his own. Uh, Yeah. That's why I think MVP would be legitimate, you know, much more legitimate for him and deserving. And, you know, one of those three. I, I, you know, to me, know Giannis probably is the best overall player, but he's got really a lot of help. Drew Holiday and Middleton and yeah. Lopez. It, there's a lot there, and there's some depth. Yes, Bobby Portis. Uh, they they picked up. You know, him, he hadn't even Jay Crowder. There. They picked Jay yeah. right, Crowder, but they also picked up Goran Dragic from the Bulls. The Bulls let Dragic go. He went up there. He hadn't played anything, but clearly they're saving him just for the playoff. A guy can walk in and make a shot, run a team. So. To me, they seem like the only really loaded team. You know, like, uh, Boston. I don't like their depth. I don't think they got much depth. Um, you know, Cleveland's just there, sort of on the edge. The rest of the East is just trying to fighting to get in the playoffs. And the West, any one of those first eight or nine teams can win. I, I, I don't think any. I don't see any dominance from any of those teams.
1: Yeah. Dallas and Sacramento don't play defense. Uh, Phoenix doesn't have a bench. Warriors are absolutely missing uh, wing and front court scoring. It's all guard scoring. Right. And uh, I just don't trust the team led by Kawhi Leonard. I think he's a remarkable talent, but I think he's a guy you can add to an already baked culture. I don't think you can build your culture around him. I think he's a tough teammate. Um, You know, shows up some nights at 345 and says, I'm not playing. I've been told. So I think it's wide open. Sam, what a pleasure for me. Uh, WriterforBulls.com Folks, the 1991 New York Times bestseller, The Jordan Rules, uh, is a terrific read. It's journalism at its highest form. Um, And again, it's just great talking to you on an annual basis. I always get smarter and learn stuff. Sam, thank you.
2: Colin, yeah, I enjoyed it. And maybe we can make it six months next time.